We are all of the land. We all come from the land. Our bodies are of the land. And that is where we find home. Welcome, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the How For Her Human Expansion Realized podcast. These podcasts are the creative artistry inspired by our weekly Gather For Her conversations that take place in real time. They are the culmination of co-created and harvested wisdom that is palpable during these gatherings around our virtual fire. Our hope is that in a practice of deep listening with us here, you will feel our hands at your back in the journey of realizing your own personal expansion, leaving each listening experience with a spark that ignites your how. This week, we're catching up with Echo Alec, founder and artist of Sacred Matriarch Creative and a champion of reconciliation through performance storytelling and media for a deeply insightful conversation about weaving ancestral knowledge to lead beyond belief. Good morning, Echo. Welcome this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me today. It's an honor to be here with you. We're so thrilled to have you. So we've been gathering for for quite a long while. And uh, our theme for this season of Gather For Her, for the episodes that we've been working on, um, is Lead Beyond Belief. And we've really been kind of digging into that in this uh place that we're at as women who are living awake and everyone on the screen right now is and and uh we're we are all mothers of some way shape or form and part of living awake that i'm really aware of is the mother the mother that you are and that you intentionally uh, work to be uh, in your everyday practices. And I, I wondered if we could maybe start with kicking off the conversation about some of your own work in, in your family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I am a huge fan mm-hmm. and advocate for decolonizing work and in order to bring that out into the work I do out in the world, it has to start at home. Uh, so I make an effort in every way impossible to completely pull apart the colonized stories that I've been brought up thinking about myself, about how family is supposed to look, about how my home is supposed to look. Um, and it's been really fun to just pull all the pieces apart and then look at, okay, what are the teachings that I know? What are the seasons and the cycles and how does my body respond to that? Um, What are the ways that are true to my ancestors, to my way of being? Um, And how can I implement that? How can I modernize it as well? Because we are in a modern world. We are living in technology. (laughs) Um, And so it's important to always, um, the saying is two-eyed seeing. So walking with one foot in each world, a foot in ancestral teachings and a foot in our modern world. And how do we bridge the two? Um, so it's, yeah, it's been a really fun journey. And it starts with simple things like, okay, what are the what are the traditions that I want to have with my children? What are the cycles that I want to break? You know, my father is a residential school survivor. Um, I grew up in an angry home. I don't want that for my children. Um, so that means seriously addressing the deep, deep stuff within because naturally those things come out of us uh, as parents, whether we want them to or not, we have to face them. We have to face the ugly stuff first um, so that we can heal it. You have to feel it to heal it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's literally, it's unlearning. Unlearning everything that I thought I knew about parenting unlearning everything I thought I knew about myself and how I respond to things, um, and then restructuring from an Indigenous lens, restructuring from a worldview that is 
rooted in my grandmother's ancestral teachings. I'm curious where that might take you, Tina. Um, having three young men of your own mm -hmm. and um, yeah, curious where that might take you. Um, well, I could feel my own um, experience of what you spoke of, but not knowing that that's what it was. So I could feel um, the permission that I was scared to give myself as a mom to break the rules of hierarchy in a house. And and then I saw the, the powerhouse piece. I grew up in a blank home over in the chat here. And so when I, when I put this out to the women in this group, that's where I would go. I, I would go to the what are what are what are the times that we may have made choices as a leader in our home, whatever that means to you, where our instincts said one thing, but our structures said another thing. And how did we respond to that? That's where I go. And um, Echo, I really um I love the simplicity of 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 that practice, like what you offered us is like, oh, right. If I'm going to, how can I break these, not break these. It's a bit, I just don't like that word, but whatever. How, how can I shift? Whatever. I actually, I, I'm actually, I can break things too. I have, but, anyway, but starting at home to decolonize the way we approach our home. So that's where I go. Yeah. But mostly it's the friction of permission and yeah, that waking up state. Yeah, could anybody else speak to that? Maybe what that's felt like for them as a, or echo what what it was what it what has been like for you to do that. Whoever wants to go, I I um and somebody wrote in the chat unlearning what and you know asking ourselves what do we need to unlearn, and um, I I'm actually curious echo how do you use storytelling as a storyteller how do you use storytelling to bring that unlearning peace into into your work into healing into your into your home into um, decolonization um, I'm going to introduce a little tool to you uh, so this is something I've created and it's kind of like my my internal medicine bundle and so the practice of a medicine bundle was traditionally it was something that was held underneath our clothes it was sacred and it was for protection so within my medicine bundle, I carry a pause, which I pull myself away from the moment when I can feel myself spiraling. Lift your paws up and pause. <laughs> and then questions, reflections, breath, and water are the four medicine tools that I use in every moment to question the story that's happening in my mind. Does this story belong to me? Does this story belong to my lineage? Does this story that's spiraling me downwards here and making me feel bad about myself, does this belong to colonization? Does it belong to capitalism? Because if it does, then it does not belong to me and it has no place in my home. Um, so that starts, but that's a, that's a whole process and it can happen within like seconds, right? We can feel when our minds sort of starting to move the other way. Um, I can always, I can feel it in my body. My body starts to ache or I'll get a headache if I'm having these, these thoughts that don't belong to me. Uh, so it starts with that pause and then, okay, I've paused. I've removed myself from that thought just that much. And then I take a deep breath. And then I start to ask myself questions. And it always starts with whose story is this? Does this belong to me? Um, and those two things help me to just separate enough that I can go, yeah, no, we're just gonna throw you outside. And <laughs> what does belong to me? What is my story? What are my children's stories? Um, and yeah, storytelling is everything. And if you think about the world that we are living, living in, it is creation. Somebody made it up. The systems we live in were made up. So the systems that we are designing are up to us and are what we can imagine. Ah, the word imagination. That's so 
That's so powerful. And I, I want to pause for a moment. And it was the symbol of the internal medicine bundle. Like that was gold, right? That that all of us, like if, if you take something away today, which I know you will, build your own internal medicine bundle. Thank you for that. That's that's gold. I'm I'm curious. I'll hand it over to to Sharon. <laughs> Um, yeah, I I, rem I remember that teaching from the session that I was in of yours. Uh, it, it's I wish I had that when I was uh, a young mother. Um, I I I don't have the ancestral background that you do. Um, the 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 cultural uh, teachings, I don't have any of that. So I, although I'm indigenous, um, what I've had to draw from um, from my ancestors is is just my um, um, the, the um, um, what am I looking for? What's the word? <laughs> Come on, ladies. <laughs> intuition, my intuition, and on. But you know, um, I'm just curious. So, for somebody that hasn't um, doesn't have the cultural background that is indigenous and and would love to, or non indigenous, but just not really feeling strong that you that we I know we know where we come from um, and have that ancestral background lineage to help us um, how how like have you done that your whole life from the beginning of being a mother or like when did that kick in and and because I could have sure used that and I'm sure um I mean, you can you can do this at any time now. That now, now that we know this, but um, yeah, I'm just curious when that took place for you, and how hard it is for you to like. Uh, is it so instilled in you now that you don't ever let colonization get the better of you? Because I just yesterday I realized, oh, that's colonial thinking, and I I don't need to do that, right? So I'll stop that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so my healing journey only really began four years ago when i chose to clean up my life uh, when i became clean from drugs and alcohol and it was a very deep dive into every healing opportunity possible um, and with that came self-awareness practices um, and i didn't like i really didn't feel comfortable in a lot of circles and a lot of healing circles um, especially that aren't facilitated by Indigenous women, and there's not a whole lot that we have facilitated by Indigenous women for Indigenous women. Uh, so I began to work with my own practices and sit and listen to myself. And so I wanna, I wanna speak to a moment, for a moment on uh, those who don't have the ties to their own family bloodlines or their, um, their ancestral teachings. That is how we know what our purpose, what our mission is, that is our ultimate why. We are of the land. We must protect her. Um, and she will always, always nurture us. So I, I do my best to encourage people to connect with the lands that you do live on. Always acknowledge the Indigenous people of those lands and the language of that land, because that is the land's original language. Um, so when we learn to honor that, when we learn to respect that and include that in our practice of connecting with the land, it will always nurture us. It will always take care of us. And that's where our spirit comes to life. Um, it's only in our human self that we see our stories as separate. In the spirit world, everything's connected. So when you're connecting with the ancestors of the lands that you live on, you're still connecting with your own ancestors. Um, it is a daily practice. <laughs> it is a daily practice and effort uh, of decolonizing work. It never ends. Uh, I have so many ups and downs of like, I can do this. Oh my God, it's so much work. I just want to hide under a blanket today. <laughs> um, it is this constant, constant work of self-awareness and paying attention to story. Uh, and then calling myself on my shit, excuse my language. <laughs> I'm sorry if my mom's watching. <laughs> um, yeah, calling ourselves on our stuff and doing it with love and compassion. 
because the world is already hard enough on us. We don't need to be hard on ourselves, but we need, it's, it becomes a bit of a game. It's like, oh, not my story. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're feeling some things here. It's definitely uncomfortable. We have some work to do. Uh, so it's just a constant daily practice of self-awareness. And then some days I'll reach the end of the day and be like, I didn't do very well today. Let's try again tomorrow. Um, or break that down. Sometimes the days are too long and it's just moment to moment. That was a horrible moment. I'm going to try again. I'm going to take a deep breath. Okay, let's move on to the next moment now and see if we can we can ground ourselves a little bit better. <laughs> you offer so many teachings in that echo. That last piece that you just said, some days the days are too long. And the acknowledgement of, of that is such a gift for all of us and to go moment to moment. Um, what comes up for me around this is our, you know, our basic human desire to belong. It's, it, it's like it's with us when we wake up, when we our, our first breath, our first cry as a baby is, is to belong. And this beautiful remembering that we, that our, that the land is where that, that we are of this land. Um, yeah. So I, I, I want to open up if, to uh, all of us here around where we, where we might want to go with echo around um, belonging and, and the land and of, especially that word, of because I know there's a lot of ancestral piece pieces in your work and um yeah maybe I'll just start it where, when I say the word of where does that where where do you go next with your ancestral work and offering to all of us um when you say the word of we belong to the land the land does not belong to us I need to say that again we belong to the land. The land does not belong to us. It is our job to take care of the land. And in return, it's a reciprocal relationship, right? It is this constant, beautiful, evolving, reciprocal relationship of respect with the land, its original people. We must remember its original people because we are original people of somewhere. Um, and to uphold that respect by caring for the land. And in return, we are always, always taken care of. Um, something my dad has always taught me is ask, and the answer is always yes. Everything you need is always provided, especially on the land. Powerful and, and so true. And, and and so thank you. And I like, Tina, for you saying we remember as we remember this because we have forgotten. Many of us have forgotten this. We, we all know this at some point, at, somewhere in our our body. We, we just have, some of us have just forgotten. And so, yes. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah, and imagine... You know, I'm going to go back to the word imagine. Imagine an economy that is based on that nothing is ours and that we are just stewards. Like, just take that in for a second because that is so, um, that's, that is decolonization, right? Like, where, where, I, I loved what you said, and it is so powerful. And if we can remember that nothing actually belongs to us and that we are stewards for the time, that, that our, our feet are of the land. That's, um, it, and this reminds me of one of the things that Diane Whalen said, and that is, we don't owe our children an economy. We owe them clean land, clean air, and clean water. And I, again, that has transformed my own work. And so how do we, how do we tell stories? Because that's actually part of my work. I work with elected officials on stewardship. How do I tell stories to connect that, that understanding and deepen it so that it actually 
is is received both intellectually because it has to be and uh, and from the heart um emotionally spiritually viscerally um something i like to do i work a lot with children and youth and something i love to do with the children and youth i work with is to bring them out to explore story that's land-based learning um, because everything we need is provided that includes the stories um, i am a spoken word artist and a poet and a writer so i love metaphors <laughs> and nature provides every metaphor you could possibly ask for <laughs> it is so beautiful it is so wonderful and it's actually this uh insanity beautiful art behind me is my decolonizing business model and it's all based on nature it's based on understanding seasons and cycles uh it's based on when we the through the different seasons the medicine within the plants changes uh, so as an indigenous person the times that i would harvest different parts of the plant depend on the season and there is a really good solid part of the year where all of the plants and the people rest. We rest and reset. That is when the trees lose their leaves and everything just goes to sleep for a little bit. So when I pay attention to my natural body cycle, it wants to do the same thing. I don't want to be on social media during the winter months. I don't really want to be out doing a whole lot. I want to do my internal work. Um, and so that that metaphor of working with the seasons and the cycles, you know, you have your your deep, dark, quiet rest. And then in the springtime, the shoots start to come up. And so that's where the medicine is. It's in the shoots. And that's where our new ideas are starting to sprout out. And we're starting to like plant all these other seeds. Uh, and in the summertime, it flowers. So summertime, I'm always extra, extra busy doing, being, um, harvesting foods, processing, playing with my kids, adventuring. Uh, it's a very, very busy season. So I'm, I'm in my flower cycle. And in the fall, and this is something I'm learning <laughs> in my unlearning and learning, we shed. What is no longer serving me? As I'm growing into this person, what is no longer serving the person I'm growing into? And it's okay to let those things go. That's been the hard part for me. I have serious FOMO. <laughs> I don't want to miss out on things. So uh, I'm learning to shed. I'm learning to say, okay, that's no longer serving the big vision. Um, and being okay with that. Because after my rest season, and as I move into my, my seed and my shoot season, there's going to be more. There's always going to be more. And it's this beautiful evolving cycle. It, it's interesting, like where the conversation kind of takes me is I, I hear Christina's um, question to, to echo and to all of us about how how do we bring the shift in perspective and mindset and narrative and thinking to um, to decision makers that they're 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 wanting to do better they're 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 wanting to be better and do better and how do we start to to allow these conversations to to coalesce um something that's present for me right now is is the snippets of wanting to do better but they're very fragmented and i'll give you an example of that um how many times have we seen articles or been part of workshops around burnout? Just the topic of burnout, just out there on its own. Let's talk about burnout, women leaders and burnout or leaders and burnout. However, <laughs> how often have you, um, how often have you been part of a conversation around burnout that starts by simply and plainly talking about 
the need to decolonize the practices that we were brought up in around productivity, work hours, with zero talking about the seasons that Echo just talked about. And so I just, I find that there's these little hits all over without that grounding of Indigenous wisdom. And so every conversation that I am part of, I either try to bring it back to that or I will go to a sister. If I don't feel like I'm, I'm ready for that conversation, I will go and ask someone for some help because I'm, I believe that until we can bridge these two conversations together, right? And so, yeah, that, that's what's present for me right now is, is helping people to recognize, like, what if we were to fully step into the role of just identifying that we are all change makers right now? We are all change makers living within a system that is no longer serving us. Yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> it never did serve us, right? So a system that never did serve us to begin with. And yeah, and, and we're, we're finally, we finally had enough and it's time to change. I, I can't help but weave this back into other conversations that we've had. And one of them in, in our one of our, our gathers, uh, power of um, in an anti-rest culture and in an anti-rest narrative. And I love what you said, Shar, about, yeah, you go, you hear the, um, the, the go to a workshop on, on burnout. And, um, and we talk a lot about um, the signals from our body, but what about signals from the land, right? What are, what are the signals from the land that are actually given to us? So it's the, to say that this is like, who are we to think that we, were, we are above the cycles of the land? <laughs> that's, that's ludicrous, right? And so I, I, I loved what you said, Echo, about using metaphors to tell, to tell ancient truths that it's like you think you can, you can bump up and, and defy the land? No, sorry. So it's, it, it's a very powerful message. I, I, I just want, again, everyone to um, absorb that for a moment because I know for me, that um, that that there is a desire to keep plowing through. Like my behavior demonstrates that. And when I think about it, I, I, it's not what I want, but my behavior demonstrates that. And so this actually links back to the practice of whose story is that? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, these, these conversations, I love these conversations with women entrepreneurs. This is in the work that I do on a global scale. Um, I work with CEO and I have the opportunity to have these ongoing conversations and inspire these thoughts and then watch these seeds grow as these entrepreneurs take these teachings out into the world and they change their businesses and they change people's lives within their communities. Um, it is so, so beautiful and important. Um, one of my favorite things in creating my own business was saying to myself over and over again, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> there are no rules. I can do whatever I want. Um, <laughs> and that, just saying that, because oh, I've done the same thing. I have patterns and habits and cycles. And I am, I used to call myself the queen of burnout. Um, it wasn't until I had a 750 pound fiberglass canoe fall on my head and give me a severe brain injury that 
forced me, you know, how the universe sort of it throws pebbles and it throws stones and it throws bricks. Yeah. So I hit my brick um, and it forced me to stop. With that uh, came a really great opportunity to dive in. I had no choice but to do my internal healing because I was stuck in bed. Um, after that healing journey, that really intense healing journey, my body would literally scream at me. So I have to listen to the pebbles now. It will ache if I've had too long of a day and I have to say, no, sorry, <laughs> it can wait till tomorrow. I need, I need my rest. I'm learning to shut off uh, when my kids are home. You know, there are, there are natural things that are provided for us to allow us that space to balance. It's the mindset of productivity. That's actually why I'm changing my business name too. It was Sacred Matriarch Productions and I'm changing it to Sacred Matriarch Creative. I have no desire to be productive or for production. It is creative freedom that speaks to me. It is creative freedom that helps me to uh, empower other people in their own creative freedom to do what speaks to them, to honor their own gifts out in the world. Um, yeah, so there are, there are so many things that when we pause, and listen are already speaking to us. Like you said, our bodies send us signals all throughout the day. Um, I find when I'm having toxic thoughts or I've been in front of the screen too long, I get a headache. Okay, that's time to take a break, maybe go for a walk, go outside. Um, yeah, there are many, many things that in a colonized system, we have been taught to ignore. Um, our bodies have all the answers for us. Everything we need is is within. Um, I'm still facing, as an Indigenous woman, still facing um, systems of oppression. So even last week, I still hit burnout because within my own business, it's great. Within most of my projects, it's wonderful. We are creating a mutual understanding of a decolonized world, of breaking systems. I still had to face city council last week. And I hit burnout afterwards because there is just no desire to understand or to hold space. Um, so there's still this like headbutting friction that happens, um, which ultimately is the fuel to the fire. And the body responds differently. It's like, not safe, <laughs> not safe. We need to stop. Um, so I took an extra long weekend to try and reset so that I could come back to this week fresh. So interesting what you said, Echo. It's, um, there's so many pieces that came up. It's like, oh, which way should I dive? Um, when we are in these multi-layered systems, like you said, okay, within my own business, I, it, you know, I can feel my rhythm within the projects that I'm working with because I can choose who I work with. And then beyond that is the systems within my community, which is actually goes back to what Christina is talking about. And then the systems within global communities they, they they ripple out i am going to get to grassroots to global because that's where i'm going i think it's so important for 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 my work and and uh, i can only speak for myself but that our work in the world can ripple out through those systems otherwise the burnout will continue to happen and I, I reflect on an opportunity that Christina and I and the team have coming up here to actually work hand in hand to inspire more women to run for local politics in the next one to five years. Why is that important to me? Because of what you just said. I rhythm, 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 Ooh, went to city council, lost my rhythm, burnout right? Until we can have like-minded leaders in all of our systems, we're going to continue to hit burnout, right? I think that's what's really, you know, if I just, if I just look at what is 
happening around us and and the change that we're able to influence um that's kind of where my 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 head goes right now is how are we rippling out the change and um i do want to i i do want to uh i ask obviously if anyone has reflections on that but i kind of want to get into that grassroots to global how it's rippling out for you now because i think i think that's really important too thank you Shar. um yeah so that's been coming to me a lot um especially recently the grassroots to global um i've been offered for my work to expand to a global reach, empowering Indigenous entrepreneurs all over the world. Um, and in the same breath, my heart has always been grassroots with children and youth because they are our future. It is a direct investment in the future. Um, and uh, I think that on another level, it's also creating something I wish I had when I was a young person. Um, I was a suicidal at-risk youth. I was into drugs and alcohol. I, I had a really tough time as a young person. Um, and I really see so much hope available for our young people um, when they have the opportunity. It just takes the resources. That's all they need. They need the resources. They need the support. They need someone to say, yes, you can. <laughs> That's all it takes. Um, so the, the big vision and the global work is so, so important. And if we aren't making those differences within our own communities and within our own homes, then we aren't able to make a true difference. Um, this is something that I've learned a lot from my dad, actually, because he worked so hard to be a medicine man, uh, to work on his healing journey from residential school but he still took his hurts out in his home. Um, so there were two faces that I got to see for him, his community face where he was helping people all over the world and then his home face where he was safe to unpack his stuff. Um, and that's that's not how I want to live. I've learned so much from that in it starts inside. It starts inside, it starts here in my home. And then what am I doing for the, the immediate community that I live in? So this is my partner's community. I live on Pentlatch territory. So how am I helping the children and the youth here? And then the expanding community is on Vancouver Island. And then how can I expand that now across Canada, which I've done by launching a youth council um, that has reached across the country. Uh, brilliant, brilliant young people coming together to create uh, a program that will serve Indigenous youth. So it's empowering voices all along the line from grassroots to global, empowering voices. Uh, we've had enough of the world telling us no. <laughs> we just need people to support us and give us the tools. I wanna come back to um, echo your dedication, um, devotion to starting at home. And you said something so simple and it just made me have two thoughts. I had one, my heart has always been. And I thought, wow, imagine, imagine like one of the, one of the phrases I use in my work is what you got for free is all you were ever called to be. So how you came into this existence, this opportunity, and that really speaks to, it really resonated for me deeply. And, uh, and, and I think I just, and then my next thought was, oh, can you imagine if we applied for the big jobs, you know, the big jobs, whatever those are, the big leadership impactful seat at the table jobs, right? What we call seat at the table, which currently is true, is the system we are currently in. You need to have a seat at the table in order to blah, blah, blah. Okay. Imagine if the application for those jobs was a CV of your personal work not a CV of your accomplishments. Because I, the world that I imagine, back to this imagining of, of it started for me, like the other piece for me is metaphors. I also as a storyteller, metaphors really speak to me. And I know that um, back to powerhouses work that we can only do that which we are currently ready for. 
And so there might be a hundred steps that we can see. We can see the hundredth step, but we're actually only at step three. So we have to go to step four, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, we all have different access words. So decolonization might be just the first phrase that we get, right? And then we're like, oh, well, now it's now I get, now I get indigenous. <gasps> now I get land-based. <gasps> like whatever the word is, that's the word you're ready for. And uh, so I just want to open up this this conversation around the, the accomplishment CV. Because <laughs> the world that I see that I want is the people at the table have a CV of that work. They've done the work. Therefore, and is it work? I don't know. That's another thing I'll throw in this room. Is that a word we want to use? Continue to use? I don't know. Where does that take you, everybody? So this comes back to what this whole conversation is about, and that is dare to do that. Dare to write your CV differently. Dare to talk about yourself in different terms, right? Dare to not talk about your um, educational credentials and your roles and, and, and your titles, but dare to talk about yourself in terms of who you are and I and and this goes back to um so Tina talking about her work what you you know what did you get for free because what you got for free is who you're meant to be but also um what I heard from Echo is the fact that um we teach what we need to know like sh what she's doing her healing in in the world is the healing that she needed and, and what I heard you say is that I am working with youth because I that's what I wished that someone would have come alongside for me. And that's a very vulnerable place that we're that we're not that we're walking together, that we're holding each other's hands and walking this healing to together. And you used your father as as an example, right? And it takes so much vulnerability to say, this is hard. And I'm struggling too. And I need you on my hand. And I need you on my other hand. So th thank you for that. You've given us so many mic drop moments, actually. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> there, was, there was one place where I was just like, okay, mic drop. drop. Do I write that in the chat? I don't know. <laughs> so I just I wanted to... Um just touch a little bit on what Tina said about the CV and um, and, and daring to uh, do things uh, differently. Um, I teach digital literacy and virtual administrative skills to Indigenous women, and we are on module six. And so I can't help, like yesterday, my, my aha moment was um, around um, uh, the grading, because I'm not grading, I'm not grading them. And then, I'm, and then I'm like, oh, I better grade them because what are people going to think if I don't grade them? And I'm like, hey, wait a minute, that's a grading is a colonial system, and I don't have to grade them. This is not, this isn't, you know. And so, but the, the whole colonization thing of of teaching Indigenous women digital literacy, like, help. <laughs> any, any comments on that would be helpful to me. The whole colonization thing is just, it's been at the, my forefront for, for days now. Um, I love this work. <laughs> I love pulling these things apart. Uh, in when I first decided to launch my, my youth council, I did a call out for applications. Um, and in my efforts to decolonize the application process, I just asked them to share their story. And I made it as accessible as possible. They could message me on social media accounts or they could send me an email. If they wanted to um, add in a photo or a video that helps them share their story in their way. So to introduce themselves, who are you? Where do you come from? Whose territory do you currently live on? How old are you? What inspires you? Um, things like that where it's just them sharing from their heart who they are and from that i know that with my own values i will know exactly who's aligned with what i'm doing um 
And I actually ended up being able to send a message out to all of the youth who applied to be a part of the council, thanks to public donations and sponsorships to actually bring the whole thing to life. Um, so prior to having those sponsorships, I was looking at a youth circle where every voice is still included. Um, because we are so used to being told no. Uh, one of the other things that I have done, I work with the Sawak Learning Centre in Nanaimo, um, and that is primarily Indigenous youth. It's an alternative school, um, and it's kind of their last hope for school. And so things that we have looked at within there are, how do we reflect their journey? Them sharing their own story through writing, through photos, through video, um, they're reflecting their own learning journey. We don't need to mark them on, you're meeting this expectation or not. Um, we're just witnessing. We're witnessing and we're holding the space for them to reflect, do their own reflections and say, well, uh, this is where I am right now. I'm at the very start of my journey. And then we do another check-in a little bit ways through. Well, this is what I've learned. Um, these are the perspectives that I have. And then towards the end of their journey or after their journey is done, their learning journey, do another check-in and look at the growth from the end of the journey to the beginning of the journey. That's storytelling. We're utilizing storytelling um, to measure because the colonial system loves measurements. So we have to still be able to bridge the two worlds. <laughs> We're using storytelling to meet the metrics. Love it. There you, there you have it, Sharon. Storytelling to meet the metrics. I, I'm going to segue into storytelling because I'm aware of our time for, for just a moment. Um, we are we are grateful that Echo is um, going to be opening our fire circle in just three short weeks with a storytelling performance in a very special morning on April the 16th, which is a Friday that is dedicated to the artistry of impact. Speaking of breaking any colonial systems, what if, what if our artists and our performers and our storytellers are the world's most impactful change makers. And part of the storytelling that I um, am very committed to working with Echo on as we move to the fire circle and through the fire circle, part of, of inviting her to be part of it was just to hold the intention. This Echo has a couple of very, very important stories to be told of elders in her life. Um, their story, their wisdom. Um, she's an amazing uh, creative artist. And we want to capture and share their stories through Impact Media and see if there is a template there to continue to do some of some of that work. And Echo, I'm wondering if you could speak just just briefly to that project and, and maybe how you see it, perhaps setting the intention through the performance of bringing that project to life. Oops. <clears throat> Um, okay, this is where I might cry. <laughs> uh, so in the summer of 2019, I was home for a, in my very small community of Lytton um, for a performance. And my elder and my aunt, Nikki Yushin, uh sat me down and asked to have a conversation with me. And she said, I am so proud of you in the gifts that you are utilizing, that you are sharing with the world. And I would like you to help me tell my life story as I move towards the end of my life journey. This has been uh, a serious mission of, okay, how do I bring this to life? I was taught that when we are called by our communities, especially by our elders, that we respond with action. Uh, so it has been, and then the pandemic hit. The pandemic hit. I had just started to like source all these pieces together. Um, and so it's been a pause. 
and I've been holding my breath and praying um, that we can start this project, that I can help her bring her story to life. Within that, um, because I've been removed from my home community since I was 12, there are teachings that she will pass on to me. Um, teachings of medicines, teachings of ceremony, teachings of the land, uh, teachings of my family that I haven't had access to for a really long time. Um, so hand in hand, as always, I love balance and <laughs> doing my best to balance everything. Uh, my dad's story was just like in my face yelling at me that I have to work with it somehow. So my dad was the first person in Canada to take on the government, the church and the RCMP of Canada in a 17 year court battle and win for the abuse he received in residential school. That opened the doors for other stories to be heard. Um, and I knew that that story was a huge piece of my own healing um, because I have sons that I'm raising, because I have a partner who's indigenous. There's a lot of things that I have to learn how to navigate with indigenous men um, that I, I have run from, from for a long time because of my father, my relationship to my father. Uh, so I have started that with him. I did a very short interview. Uh, I spent three days with him to just explore things and see what's possible. And it, um, I've never been comfortable being in any industry. So I'm not comfortable being in the film industry. I'm not comfortable being in the hip hop industry or, um, and yeah, I really, feel more grounded in the process of decolonizing storytelling. I'm using these as tools, um, but ultimately I'm helping them to share their stories in a way that reaches the world. Um, and I'm utilizing those tools, but I am a storyteller and I'm supporting their stories. So this performance is a mixture of all of my favorite things to do on stage, which is spoken word, uh, sharing story, um, a little bit of rap and singing um, and some of my film work as well uh, to bring everything together so that I can present the launch of this, this really, really important project that I cannot put off any longer. As always, we are so grateful for your deep listening with us. We want you to know that there is a community here that you may not know about yet. We gather virtually every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time for these live conversations, and we call it Gather for Her. This is the place where we begin to weave our individuality together to remove silos and place our hands at each other's backs for activated, intentional action towards a world we all want for 2030, where we prepare for a better world. When you're ready, we're here. Find us at powerhouse.com and get social with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. If it feels right, you can support this inspired wisdom through Patreon at patreon.com powerhouse. Until next time, keep listening and know we're always here, ready to gather with you.